0: Do you want to hear the most popular Leading Saints episodes of all time? For every podcast episode that has been on our top 10 most popular list, we add a T10 in the title. The T10 stands for, well, top 10. So if you ever want to hear the most popular podcasts, you can go to your favorite podcasting app or to leadingsaints.org and search Leading Saints T10 and you'll see the full list of our most popular podcast episodes. Oh, and I send out a unique leadership message every week via email that you don't want to miss. Visit leadingsaints.org slash subscribe to receive these messages or text the word LEAD to 474747. We'll send you a few bonus items while we're at it. And for all you newbies who are wondering, what is Leading Saints in general? Well, let me tell you. Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. We do this through content creation. To see a wide scope of all of our content, visit leadingsaints.org. Hi, everyone. This is Kurt Frankham, the host of the Leading Saints podcast, and I am excited to share this episode with you. If you'll remember a few weeks ago, we did an interview with Richard Bernard that was extremely popular. If you haven't heard that, go back and listen. We talk about the uh, gospel library and how to use the gospel library and uh, really, to enhance your study and engagement with the scriptures and whatnot, and uh, Richard gave some phenomenal tips and tricks in that uh, interview. And then uh, he mentioned this uh, individual named Brandon Comstock, who is a PhD down in uh, Saint George, Utah, who teaches a, at a seminary, high school seminary down there. And uh, I was intrigued because this this Brandon, he got his PhD. His dissertation was all about teaching the gospel with the gospel library and uh, i was intrigued by that and thought i'd reach out and uh, he agreed to do an interview and that's where this interview came from now since we referenced the gospel library we actually recorded the video of this interview and we're putting it in the teaching saints library which anybody can gain access to by simply going to leading slash teach and there's uh tons of hours 20 plus hours of content all about teaching the gospel and so you can actually see the video uh, of this presentation for free as well and then jump into some of the other content this is a a virtual conference we did years ago but it's still so valuable especially for those teachers out there so go to leadingsaintsorg teach or simply go to the show notes of this episode and we'll put a easy to access link right at the top to send you to where you need to go to access not only this video recording, but many others from the Teaching Saints Library. with Brandon Comstock. How are you, Brandon?
1: Terrific. Thanks, Kurt.
0: And you're in St. George, Utah. You uh, teach seminary there. Is is that right?
1: Yeah, about 14 years into it now and around different schools. I'm at Crimson Cliffs High School down here right now.
0: Awesome. And uh, from what I hear, it's just a dream job. Has that uh, been your experience?
1: That's pretty much been the experience. Yeah. A lot of pretty cool experiences through the year.
0: That's cool. Now we were uh, first connected through, I uh, did an interview with Richard Bernard, who is a, a missionary focused on, I don't even know it's called a service missionary, a technology missionary, but uh, he helps uh, make sure that the gospel library is being used and is available to, to help and whatnot. I probably didn't do a good job explaining that, but he is aware of of you and because of some of your educational background. So what, uh, what, what, what gives you uh, some education in, in uh, teaching and uh, as it relates to the Gospel Library?
1: Yeah, so Richard and I work on the uh, Gospel Library Awareness and User Education Committee. And uh, um, my background, I got I got a master's in, in uh, instructional technology and learning science from Utah State. And somewhere in there kind of stumbled onto, before I even had an iPad, um, stumbled on to uh, LDS.org at the time where you could annotate talks and things like that and kind of learn some of the features. We were super, super poor. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I wonder if I got an iPad, would this all transfer into the app I keep hearing about? This is the very early stages. And uh, there was a Black Friday deal. And so we went and bought, we were so poor, went and bought an iPad. And I remember being so nervous as I logged in hitting the button and being like, Oh my gosh, it all synced. <laughs> this is so fantastic. <laughs> and, uh, from there kind of started to explore some stuff with that masters I did. And then when it came time to do a doctorate, uh, I said, yeah, I really want to explore this and do some more formal research with this. So, uh, I just finished back in May, um, a doctorate in educational technology from Boise state and spent four years just studying all the research on digital reading and, uh, and in classroom stuff and distraction and it's the whole impact of, of smartphones. In fact, I'll show you right now. Cause this was funny. I, all of my advisors up there weren't members of the church, but they were terrific. Oh yeah. And, um, but they, but they all have, they, they wanted to use boring academic titles. And so my dissertation was, um, exploring the relationship between different smartphone reading annotation strategies and student comprehension or something really dry. <laughs> But I'm super excited because I get to use this title now. So this is my title for this. Heaven and Cell, How to Use Smartphones to Teach the Gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, and I pitched it to them over and over again. And they're like, uh, let's just be a little bit more academic. But uh, I guess well, here with the leading saints, this is the time to break it out.
0: That's right. The the I have a marketing background and so my marketing heart is just so proud right now of this, yes. of this title. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, um, and obviously I have some slides to to share here. I have a lot of questions that I know that you'll get into um and so I'll let, let you loose there. But I I know me personally, you know, I'm I'm not a novice when it comes to technology, generally speaking. I mean, I'm not intimidated, I I love jumping into the gospel library, but also there's this feeling of you know, I just feel like over time, just growing up with the the paper scriptures and and marking and highlighting and cross-referencing and putting my bookmarks and my glue ins and things like that, that yeah, I sort of feel like, God, no, that's my brain is just wired. Naturally, for paper scripture. so I should probably default there, generally speaking. But uh, maybe with some some information you'll share today will will shift that that thinking for myself and and many others. So, do you want to jump into your presentation and and all? Yeah.
1: Oh, I love that it. question. By the way, we're going to talk about that. Some of the ways the wiring of our brains and the way that it works, and uh, some of the academic research behind it, and then also just some really practical tips that I'd love to get out, and some lines that we can use to kind of help make this a better experience. So yeah, let me let me start out with a couple things. So we're just going to jump right into the the maybe the elephant in the room here with distraction, right? Uh, especially with youth, I think we worry a lot about the distraction, and we should. Um, Rosen did a study where he wanted to see how distracted students were, and he took college students and he said, uh, "Let me install this tracking uh, software on your phone, and we're going to see." You know, how much time you spend actually in class off task. And uh, this is with them knowing, finds out they were spending about 42% of the time off task on their phones. And he said, the problem with that study is it's probably understating the problem significantly because they knew what we were doing. So they did a follow-up study. And uh, they went in and sent in a researcher that looked like a student and sat in the back of the room and just watched what students were doing on their devices and uh, in the end they found out that 58 percent of students were using their devices for non-class purposes more than half of the class and uh, so that's a pretty big issue um, now these are college students it's not a religious class but it's the best data that we've got on it so now the question is how big of a problem is that when we're in a class and uh bowman levine and weight and gendron did a study And uh, to kind of see how big of an impact these distractions were. And they had 89 subjects. They read a 3,800-word text. And then they had three different groups that they divided them into. And group one, they'd send these instant messages to before they read. And group two received them, excuse me, group one received them while they read. Group two received them before they read. And group three received no messages at all. That was the control group. And then they tested them at the end and they actually found out that there wasn't any difference in their comprehension. Um, as, but they, it took them a lot different timing to get through the reading. Okay. So Kurt will test you here. Which group would you expect to take the longest, uh, to get through the reading?
0: So we have group run messages while they read messages before they read received no messages, uh, I would, which, which one took the longest, right? Which, right. which was the yep.
1: most distracted? Um, I'd say group one. It's gotta be group one, right? Okay. Yeah. So group one took the longest of 45.57 minutes. This is where it gets interesting. Which group would you think would be the second longest to read?
0: Um, man, I guess uh, receiving messages before they read, they they may be somewhat distracted. So group okay. two. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what I would have thought too. So, Group one took 45.57 minutes to get through. Group two took 28.63 minutes to get through. Group three, this is the control group that got no messages, 37.44 wow. minutes. Kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. At, at first, they were really perplexed by this, like, what's going on here? And then they realized afterwards that the way they designed it was that nobody was told what group they were in. Um, so if you received all of your messages at the beginning, they, they were told about the three different groups, but not which group they'd be in. So if you were told at the beginning, one of the groups gets all these at the beginning, and you got all of them at the beginning, you can now focus. Hmm. But if you were in the control group, you don't know whether there's going to be messages coming as you go. And just the thought that you might be distracted was enough to slow you down.
0: Yeah. And this is really applicable. I'm thinking of those youth leaders right on Sunday. And I mean, you deal with this day to day as a seminary teacher, but there's the, you know, we've heard stories about the, you know, cell phone basket as they walk in, they put the phones in the basket when I, cause you don't want to be distracted. You know, this is spiritual stuff that we're talking about yeah. eternal salvation here, you know, so let's make sure everybody's focused. And this is just amazing to see maybe something else is going on.
1: It's got, it's bigger. In a lot of ways, it's a lot bigger of an issue than we think. And so you look at this, you're like, well, yeah, but they still had the same comprehension. So here's where it starts to get a little scarier. Um, Pribliski and Weinstein did this study where they had two strangers sit down and they gave them two different topics. The first one was, how do you feel about plastic Christmas trees? And the second one was, uh, tell me about a meaningful experience you've had in the last year. And then they didn't know what they were getting studied on. The researcher came in and either took a, a smartphone and put it on the table or a smartphone-sized uh, notebook. wasn't their phone. It never rang. It never buzzed. And uh, then when they got done, they had them fill out a little survey and asked them uh, about the quality of their conversations and questions like, is it likely that my partner and I could be friends if we interacted a lot? How empathetic they rated them, things like that. And this is surprising. They call it the mere presence effect. Just having a phone there led to lower relationship quality and closeness with their partner.
0: Wow. And it wasn't even their phone, right?
1: Not even their phone. Just having it on the table. And of course, you don't know that. Um, so then they repeated it just a little bit different a couple years later, um, Thornton, Fairs, Robinson, and Rollins. And they wanted to see if it impacted your academic performance. So they have this thing called the digit cancellation test whole page worth of single spaced digits. And on the simple test, oh, by the way, in those conversations, if you were talking about plastic Christmas trees, it didn't make any difference at all. It's only in the meaningful conversations, which is, of course, what we want to get to in the gospel. So they go through in here, and and the first test was to circle every occurrence of a number, like, for instance, six. And the more complex one was, Circle every time two digits add up to the number 11. So five and six, nine and two, seven and four. Again, they come in, either a smartphone or a notebook on the desk. And uh, they found, again, at the end, that just the presence of a smartphone had no impact on the simple task, but on the more complex task, it was a real issue. So this is a big deal in the gospel where you're looking and going, meaningful conversations and deep learning are are kind of our thing, right? (laughs) And so yeah. you might right now be sitting there thinking, well, I guess that settles it. We need to ban all devices in the church, right? I have a cell phone basket or whatever. And, but this is the problem. Um, that's not going to fix it. <laughs> that's yeah. what we just learned, right? Is If all they do is put their phone in their pocket, they're still focused on the phone. They're still distracted. If you put it in a basket, in fact, we've got a couple studies. If you put it somewhere outside of where they're at, um, not only does their academic performance drop, but their anxiety goes through the roof if they hear their phone buzz or ring. So my whole perspective on these on the phone issues is we've got to find a way. The only way we win this battle, we can't just say put it away. And why should we? We've got the biggest issues our youth are facing, all come back to phones, but pornography, self-esteem issues, dealing with you know social media and stuff. Wasting time, all of that comes back to this. They come into our classroom. The only way we get them to win is if we can actually change their mind about what the device is for and get them to move from this is a toy that's there to entertain me to this is a tool to help get me closer to my savior.
0: Hmm. Yeah. So where do we go from, from to, to do that? I mean, that's uh, <laughs> that seems uh, intense.
1: Yeah, it's a huge undertaking. And, and it's interesting when you go and you look at what the prophets are saying. Um, most of the time they're given really balanced approach, approaches to this. They're saying technology can do this and technology can do this. Um, let me show you here. So these are the five things that I feel like have to happen if we're going to get to effective smartphone use in church. It's training, modeling, simplification, direction, and then assistance. So we have a lot of people that think that they're doing really good with their training, and they get really exasperated and worn out because they say, I train my students on phones, but it doesn't seem to work. They're still distracted. But when you look at what they're doing, most of the time what that means is stop playing games on your phones. Phones <laughs> um, are so bad and they'll take away the spirit and it's going to distract you. And these are spiritual things and we need to be focused. Um, and we say, yeah, I trained my students. What else am I supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to train them on how to use them, not just on how not to use them. So this is Blackwell Gardner and Beck. And uh, this was not a religious study. It was just in general, talking about phones with parents and youth. And they said that while parents report that they communicate with their children about technology use, their children say that parents only tell them which behaviors to avoid rather than which behaviors to pursue. Hmm. So take a look at that in the church and tell me which one do you do more of when you're talking with youth? Are you doing more telling them what not to do or actually telling them how to use it effectively?
0: Yeah, I think typically we're focusing on what not to do, right?
1: Yeah. So I, I think our our opportunity here is to say let's switch this. We're going to have a whole mentality shift. And to do that, we're going to have to start saying, no, these are a good thing. There's no way this technology was inspired by Satan. Satan doesn't create stuff like that. God came up with this. Let's use it how he wants us to use it. So let me show you some stuff on what we can do with that. Awesome. Uh, um, And I think maybe a starting point here is uh, digital reading is different. than than print reading. And we think it's the same, but it's not. So the question everybody always wants to know is which one's better, right? Print or digital. And you talk about being loyal to your books and things. Um, Kong, Xiao, and Xi, I don't know if I'm saying their names right or not, did a meta-analysis. They took all the studies on digital and print reading and said, let's see which one's better, which one gets higher comprehension. And they got done and they said, there's a little bit of mixed analysis here, but Basically, reading on paper was better than reading on screen in terms of comprehension. But quite possibly, the advantage of reading on paper could be accounted for by the reader's extensive experience of reading on paper, which shapes their preferences for reading on paper and strengthens their use of reading on paper strategies.
2: Hmm.
1: You're like, what does that mean, right? (laughs) How is this possibly any different? It's the same words, the same letters that we're putting up on the screen. Well, come to find out, it's a totally different experience. I shouldn't say totally, largely different experience. So, for example, um, imagine you walk in a desert book or Barnes and Noble or wherever you're going. Um, I'll ask it this way, and I'll see if you even know what I mean. Are you a book okay. smeller? Am I what? Are you a book smeller?
0: Smeller. Well, I mean, yeah. not. I don't intentionally like put it up to my nose, but yeah, I, there's definitely a smell when you pick up new okay. books.
1: So you go into to Barnes & Noble or whatever, and, and you're trying to pick out the next book you're going to read. And you see a, a book cover, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're using your visual capacities, and you pick it up, and you can kind of feel the heft. And then the first thing we all do is we start flipping through the pages. Why? You're not getting any, really right? Yeah, the reason yeah. we do that is we're feeling the quality of the paper. And so you start feeling it. And as you do that, you start to get that page smell that comes up, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so you're, you're smelling it and you're seeing it and you're feeling it. You're using all of these. In fact, I'll bet you can remember the sound of your scriptures fluttering in seminary. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, you know what your books, what your scriptures sound like (laughs) and you have this experience that uses all your senses. And then we come into do digital and everything's the same. Um, it feels the same. It sounds the same. It's all the same stuff. And so you, we sometimes struggle to connect and, and the data shows us over and over again that people struggle to have the same emotional connection with it, um, with the digital devices they do with the print device, especially mm-hmm. people that have had meaningful experiences with print in the past. And then that's the easy stuff. You get into body, bodies and you've got backlit screens that cause eye strain. And you've got, they've got studies out there that show that when you read from a digital device, your posture is different than when you read from print, especially in the early days when we were reading largely off of monitors. You take a book and you usually lean back. And if you're on a screen, you're leaning forward. Hmm. And it leads to more musculoskeletal strain, which uh, often leads to a lower experience or an inferior experience. So th- but these are all things that we're working on in the field to make it better. The big stuff is the mental stuff that you process the information differently. So let me give you a quiz. And I, I gave okay. you a little heads up when we chatted the other day. All right. This is the number one thing people say when they go to uh, digital scriptures is I just miss being able to find it on the page, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna see how well you know where, th- Are you? Okay. do you read mostly from print or from, from digital?
0: Uh, I'm I'm pretty much all digital now, but um Okay. I I I, well, I should do all right. We'll see. <laughs> we'll test your memory
1: here. I'm I'm gonna use some scripture mastery verses so it's a little easier. Okay. First Nephi three seven, tell me where it's at on the page.
0: I want to say uh, left's you know left page, top left of the page. Is that right? Oh Kurt, oh, you
1: nailed that. it. Look at cool. you, one for one. <laughs> all right. Uh, here we go. Question two. Second Nephi two twenty-five.
0: Uh, what What's the context? Like, where well, this is... Uh, Adam Nephi. Fell.
1: Adam Fell that man might be. Oh, Adam Fell? Yep.
0: Okay, I'll say right page, bottom left.
1: Right page, oh. bottom left. It's locked in. You've got it. All right, this is the hardest one by far. It's kind of a trick question. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> Mosiah 217.
0: Oh. Um... Man, you got me here. I'm, I'm just guessed. Uh, right page, uh, bottom left
1: again. All right, you're close. This oh, is a trick one okay. because it was actually split between the two pages, right? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm guessing there's people out there listening right now that are going, Yeah, I know exactly where that's at, right? Yeah. They can see it, especially if they're heavy paper users. And the reason is um, our brains are wired. You talked about our wiring of our brains. Uh, a researcher called Jabert or excuse me, this is uh, Mangan, that uh, talks about how our brains don't really have a designated spot for uh, for reading. It's it's a kind of a new invention, reading this, in the history of humanity. And so what we do is we borrow from different functions to put together how we read. So for example, in, in, with reading, we most typically rely on the same Functions that we use to navigate a landscape. So, yeah. say you had a house at the end of a long road and you were trying to help me get there, you might say, You're going to go past the green sign on the left. you will take a little turn when you get to the big oak tree. And uh, when you see the big red barn, uh, my house is just around the bend from there. Well, when you're trying to figure out a text and where things are at, you use the same method. So, you'll say, I'm looking for Alma 711 through 13. I know it's on the right-hand page in the left-hand column towards the top, and there's your verse. Right. And that's really easy to do because you've got two columns and four corners, and you've got chapter headings, all of these different things that are concrete navigational markers to help you know where you're at. And then you switch over to digital, and you lose all that.
0: Yeah. And even you know, you, even you giving me just a verse, if you would have said the scripture, like, you know, Adam fell that then might be like, I, I know even that's more visual, like seeing it in numbers doesn't do it for me. Right.
1: Yeah. So we get it and there's the benefits obviously, right. With the digital side of, of, yeah, now I can adjust my font size and things like that, but you lose all of the concrete navigation that comes with that. So you have to come up with a new way to make this work. And the good news is um, they have other ways through things like tagging and linking and different colors of highlights and stuff. But my point here is, it's not the same as reading from print. We have to learn how to read digitally effectively.
0: Yeah. So, and would you would you say there's like specific like best practices to do that, or is it ever to, to each their own, like to come up with whatever system works for them, or or I guess it, the foundation is maybe tagging and things like that, but maybe there's different strategies, right?
1: Yeah, and obviously it's a little bit of both of those, right? I, I do think there's definitely some best practices. You know, when we go back to that map that I just showed you a second ago, um, a a major difference between is is relying on, in in our day for navigation, you remember the days when we'd rely on maps to get around, right? Yeah. And you'd study your map out, you'd figure out where you were going, and uh, you'd know exactly where you're at in the course of the map. We don't do that today. You plug it into your GPS and it tells you where to go and you rely pretty heavily on the computer to get you there. And in a lot of ways, Gospel Library and some of the features we have now are are kind of similar. Um, We can rely via tagging and things like that on the computer to help us return and find the content rather than having to rely entirely on our own brain. And it allows us to index a whole lot more content, even if we can't necessarily find it without help immediately. Yeah. So let me give you an example. Maybe I have some training here. Um, I'm hoping some people are reading through right now and going. Great. So I'm going to teach my class and I'm going to, I'm going to spend part of a day or a whole day, maybe even training on it. And that's really well-intentioned. But it's not going to (laughs) work. And here's why. So uh, Van Horn, Russell and Skew, and this really was one of the first studies I ever read uh, in my In my uh, doctorate studies they went in and uh, on the first day they had a whole class of college students they gave them all access to e-textbooks and said we want you to use it they did use it they were logging in and reading and they brought in a graduate student trained them on how to use all the advanced annotation features and then they just sat back and waited for the data to pull in and uh, they were pretty shocked to find that it took them even though they were reading it took them 28 days on average to make their first annotation even though they'd had all the training on it and uh it was highlighting was their first and the highlighting was the only uh tool that reached a mean or a median days of annotation or median days to annotation because it was the only one that at least 50 percent of the subjects ended up using
0: so when you say annotation you're talking about uh, some way of marking or writing a scribbling in the margins or yeah. something is that
1: yeah, annotation in this case will include anything that you're doing to interact with the text in a way that helps you to understand it better. So for Gospel Library, tagging, highlighting, underlining, notes in the margins, all of that linking would all be considered annotation.
0: Okay, and so this was a classroom they only were doing electronic textbooks, and so um, and it took 28 days before they actually made a highlight or anything, right?
1: And they're reading, but they just aren't using the features. And and it's interesting, when you poll people, uh, they're just way more uncomfortable annotating digitally. And sometimes they'll say, I wish I knew how. It's not hard in, in frankly, any of the digital apps. Uh, You usually just hold your finger down and you make a highlight. They just don't quite grasp it. It's just a little different in their minds. So part of the problem is they're not getting the bigger schema of things. Because when we do these trainings on technology, we focus really heavy on the how. And we tell people, here's where you're going to go, and you're going to click, and you're going to tap here and do this, and it's really dry and monotonous. And if it doesn't work, then we just double down and we say, how, 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 and we train them on the same thing again. And we don't ever teach them on the when to tag or when to annotate or where to do it or why we do it. And that seems to be the problem that people are having making the jump into effective digital scripture study. Is it's not that they can't figure out how to click the button. They don't have a schema. They don't have a, a concept of when to do it. Um, I'm talking a lot. I hope I'm doing all right here.
0: You're doing uh, great. No, I'm I'm engaged here. So,
1: <laughs> so as Veto and Crom, I get all excited about this. Like I say, this is my field, and so yeah, yeah. They go in and they do this study with these students, um, a study on the circulatory system, and they have them complete a pretest on the circulatory system. Half the students had a training on how to read digital text. Um, things like the importance of making connections to prior learning and, and um, understanding when to use a hyperlink to go check things out and how to identify key concepts and things like that, how to read. Um, and the other half uh, didn't receive the training. Um, they found at the end that students who received the the training scored significantly higher on the test, the post-test, and they demonstrated significantly deeper understanding on short answer questions. They didn't get any training on the circulatory system. It was just, hey, let me show you a, a concept of how you can make more out of this reading. So let's talk specific to us in the gospel here. And I've got these little slides where I'm going to show you some power phrases that we can use, that we can actually implement. Um, We're going to call this sister, Sister Jorgensen here. And uh, we're going to assume that she's a seminary teacher and uh, she's trying to help her students grasp why and when to tag. So she might use some phrases like this in her training. Again, beyond just saying, push this button to do it. If you tag that quote as faith, It'll be really easy to find if the bishop ever asks you to speak in church. Hmm. So do you see how she's taking this and showing him why would you want to do this? What's the value in doing this annotation? If that verse confused you this time, make a note in the margin so that it doesn't confuse you next time. Why do I want to make a note? Well, so that next time I read this, it's going to make sense. If you highlight each item in this list, it'll make it easier to find the next time you study this. And this is my favorite. I use this with my students all the time, especially when we're coming up on Sunday school week. If you want to impress your family during Come Follow Me, link this quote to verse 16. And uh, I'll tell them all the time when we're in seminary, I'll say, you guys, do you want to be the smartest kid in your Sunday school class this week? Like your teacher is going to be super impressed. Link this quote in there. Just drop that during Sunday school. Raise your hand and be like, during my studies this week, I was looking at this. I noticed this quote from Elder Ballard, and they love it. And all of a sudden, it clicks. Oh, now I get why I'm supposed to be doing this. And it's way beyond just how do I click a button? When am I doing this? Where am I doing this? Why am I doing this? That's what our training needs to focus on. That's what we've been really lacking in our training
0: so the, the temptation may be, you know, you get excited about some of these features in the gospel library. And so fifth Sunday's coming up and we're going to do a whole fifth Sunday where we're all practicing tagging and highlighting yeah. and things where it's better to maybe just weave this in yeah. throughout your lessons, just naturally. Right.
1: It's gotta be more than just a one day thing. It's gotta become a part of who we are. and We need to be thinking about that. And, and if you can, Can you imagine if we could help our students not just learn the gospel, but learn how to have meaningful experiences on their own when they go home? That's the dream. Yeah. Um, As a seminary teacher, I'm not going to be there with them every day. They graduate. I always worry when they wake up the day after graduation, are they going to be able to open their scriptures and have a meaningful experience on their own? I'm teaching them about how to use these features so that they can do that on their own without me. Yeah. The goal is to make yourself obsolete. So, I want to go hand-in-hand hand with training. Uh, let's talk modeling. Is that all right if we move on?
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. President Irene, in priesthood preparation, show me counts more than tell me. Uh, we'll come back to that in just a minute. Um, come to find out, show me is pretty important with digital reading, too. So, uh, a researcher named Dobbler did a study, 56 pre-service teachers, and uh, tracked them over the course of a semester. At the beginning of the semester, just 22% of the students said that they preferred using digital text. They said, Great, I'm going to model it on my screen throughout the course of the semester, and we'll ask you again at the end. At the end of the semester, 50% of the students preferred using the digital text, and 65% said that the features of digital reading enhanced their experience. All he did was model for them. he just showed them, Here's how you could do it. And in a follow up to that, uh, Another study found that students had great benefits from digital annotation, but the benefits were only there if they could see how either their teacher or another peer had uh, annotated in the past. If they didn't have that to use as a scaffolding or a framework, they weren't able to put together their own system of how to do it. Hmm. And it wasn't necessarily they did it exactly the same, but uh, just so they had an idea of one way they might do it. Yeah. So let me give you some phrases here too, as you're going through, and this is a big thing for me. I, I'll ask you a question off of this too. If you're a librarian in the church and somebody comes in and they see that big 55 inch screen in the back on the cart and they say, Hey, I need to get the TV. What are you assuming they're going to use the TV for? You're going to show
0: a clip, a video,
1: right? Yeah. We're going to show a video, right? And we should, those are great. But we've got to switch our mentality to where we're saying, no, I'm going to teach my students how to read their scriptures. Hmm. And so you walk into my class on any given day. I've got my projector up there with gospel library. I this is the only time I ever use PowerPoint. I get my scriptures up there and we walk through and then I walk my students through why I did what I did. So, for example, uh, we're going to call this guy Brother Alcoma, Uh, And imagine he's teaching a deacon's quorum here. And he's got his scriptures up there on a screen, uh, and they're looking at his highlights as they're going through. As you can see, I typically highlight in red, but since this is a list, I chose to highlight it in blue so it'll really stand out the next time I read it. Now they're starting to get a schema put together. I really love that verse, so I chose to tag it as creation so I could find it later. It's just explaining as he goes through. I really like that definition of replenish, so I chose to make a note so it'll be in my margin next time I read it. It's not just letting them see it. You're walking them through and explaining. Here's some methods. Here's some things that you might do to have a meaningful experience. Uh, one more. That quote helped me understand this passage better, so I linked it to this verse. Hmm. If, if we could get to, in fact, I proposed in my stake, and my stake president's mulling it over. I'm hoping. <laughs> come on, President Thompson. But I, I really think that the uh, that the next great thing in technology for the church. Is if we could get touchscreen monitors, I want to mount them vertically on these cards. Oh, wow. And uh, so they aren't just movies. They aren't just for movies. And I want to call them scripture screens, not just TVs. And so that we can go in there and we can demonstrate and they can see our finger and show us and we can show them how to highlight tag. Uh, I think it could really help us uh, moving forward to, to teach all of our members how to and even if it doesn't help them learn how to do it, how great if we could really put scriptures literally front and center in all of our classrooms. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, And And so, um, and, and I, I've seen a lot of, uh, wards they've even gone so far to to mount a good sized TV on the wall yeah. and like in relief society or the Sunday school room, or there's a projector, you know, a nice projector yeah. set up. And even that's maybe the, the middle ground of, of getting there is like, you might as well assume that they need the TV, right?
1: Yep. Yep. We might, let's, let's get it set up. And that might not be practical everywhere around the world, but it probably is in some places. Yeah. Yeah. That we could do that. All right. This is my favorite one. So uh, training and modeling obviously go kind of hand in hand, uh, simplify. (laughs) All right. I am confident everyone is going to relate to this. um, we've got to do better at simplifying our navigational process with the gospel library app. So, uh, I don't know if you ever had a teacher try to teach someone how to do technology in class. Uh, uh, it's a terrible experience. It's really a terrible experience. And, um, I have a colleague that's in my ward that, that did this and I had even told him about this and I was, I just out loud was laughing at him while it was going on in gospel doctrine. Um, cause here's what happens. First of all, there's a concept called seven plus or minus two, and it's about our short-term memory, and it's been pretty widely accepted uh, since it was originally proposed back in 1956. And the idea is that your mind can hold seven pieces of content at a time. And that's plus or minus two. Some people are at nine, some are at five. but That's about what you can handle. So we're going to call this Brother Coder, which is the actual name of the guy in my ward. and so he stands up to teach another's quorum lesson and he starts with a joke and then he shares a scripture and uh, then he tells a story, uh, maybe asks a question and takes a couple comments from the class, shares a quote. All of those are combining right now in that person's head to become gospel learning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But they can only hold seven pieces of time, and we just got up to six. Now Brother Coder says, Will you open with me to this week's conference talk? And the student says, how do I get there? And here's what we do.
0: We say- Go to library, right?
1: (laughs) Right, here we go. It's really easy. Open gospel library, open a new page, choose general conference, choose 2010 to 2019, go to October 2014, select other irene, and it's paragraph 29. It's after that third heading when you're in there and it's gonna be, it starts out with this, but we're not starting at the top. Forget it, and now, your learner, their whole focus has switched from gospel learning to gospel library. Yeah. And you've just lost all your momentum as a teacher. Uh, That I think is the biggest holdup we have in teaching with gospel library. But we've got a solution. (laughs) Love it. So there's a couple things we can do to cut it down. Um, Let me go back to this quote that I shared a minute ago. In priesthood preparation, show me counts more than tell me. So this is going to be a little tougher for those that are just listening, but uh, this is something that I do in my class with probably half my quotes. I just put a QR code on there. Have you got your phone with you? Kurt? Yeah. I'll scan that. Scan it, scan it and see. Uh, and if you gospel library, will give you a link that you can use to generate a QR code and it won't just take you to the talk. It'll take you directly to the paragraph uh, where that's at.
0: Yep. We got the, Preparatory priesthood by president Iring october two thousand and
1: fourteen is there a specific the paragraph? it should be it should have taken you down to the paragraph. You might have to scroll this down just a teeny bit to get there
0: uh, did, or sometimes
1: it takes sometimes it'll take a second to okay, get there.
0: maybe i I interfered with it. I'll do it again
1: um it'll leave a little blue mark next to the line on the side okay. next to the
0: yeah, paragraph. that did it. I think yep. I touched the screen and interrupted the process so. Yep. In in pre preparation, show me counts more than tell me.
1: All right. So you're a teacher. Look at what we just did right there. Uh, For me to get you to that spot, instead of seven steps, all I had to do was say, all right, Kurt, open your phone and scan the code. One step. And now we can keep some of that momentum we've got in class. Uh, Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to show you, if it's all right, how to do it. I put together a slide on how to do this. Um, This is a President Uchtdorf quote from his talk, Waiting on the Road to Damascus. Similar to President Irene, he said, uh, the most effective way to preach the gospel is through example. So if you want to make a QR code for that, you're just going to tap on your highlight. You're going to click that share button. And when you click the share button, uh, a dialogue box will open up. You can click the copy link button. I like to use the mail button because it lets me see the link. And then it'll open up an email. And you can see the reference there, the link that it drops you. The key to having it is that little P thirty four at the end. That that uh, that number is the paragraph number. So that'll take you to the specific paragraph. If you've got a link with that paragraph number, it'll take them right to where you're going. And then all you got to do is take that link and you drop it into a QR code generator. There's a, a hundred of these that are free on the internet. Um, the one I use is called the dash QR code dash generator com. Um, all you do is you go in, it says, enter URL right there. You're going to drop the link into there, paste it in. You don't even have to hit enter. It just automatically creates it for you. You can see there's the P 34. And if you scan that right now, it should take you right to that paragraph where we were.
0: Nice. And so you would just uh, download that or there's a, even a copy image. Yep. Uh, function can there just, and uh, you could then paste that a PowerPoint, right?
1: Yeah. you can put it into a PowerPoint. Uh, you can put it in. Sometimes I'll put them into Word documents and hand it out because there'll be people that'll say, yeah, I don't use uh, my phone, I use paper still. Um, I'm really pushing and we'll see um, with Gospel Library and they're considering things right now to have an embedded QR code generator in the app in the future. Yeah, that'd be great. And so uh, it would make it so that you could just tap on it, you'd tap on presentation mode, it'd pop up and show the whole quote with the reference right there at the bottom and so that you could just say to your whole class, Hey, everybody scan that code and let's go there. Yeah. Um,
0: and so when you're teaching is your, is your, do you have your phone or tablet or something plugged into the, your projector and that's projecting on the screen?
1: Yeah, I do it wireless. I do it through an Apple TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, I keep mine up on the monitor. That way I can walk around a little bit more at church. I'll have it. I'll get like a 10 foot connector cable and I'm a little bit tethered, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're seeing my scriptures the whole time, uh, the whole lesson.
0: And so you're not necessarily preparing PowerPoints for each, each lesson that you're doing, you know, but, uh, and so in that in those moments where you have a scripture that they're seeing on your phone, on the screen, do you, you just quickly go to this QR code generator and create it so they can go there quickly or.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping to get to with gospel library, putting that feature okay. in. Um, in the meantime, uh, in my classes, in my seminary classes, we have a standard. The, the challenge with the QR code thing is, um, or with helping them find it, they can use the search function to get there. And so if I can't use a QR code, I just say, type in these three words, and I'll give them three words out of the quote. Yeah. Uh, and as long as everything's downloaded, they'll be able to find it. Uh, the problem is if they don't have everything downloaded, they won't get there. If you don't have it downloaded and they scan a QR code, it asks them to download it and they'll go in. Oh, cool. Um, But uh, you can, there's still some workarounds, but hopefully we can get to where this becomes a standard that we can use for our teaching to really make it easier for everybody to get to the same spot at the same time. Yeah. So let's take a look here at Sister Marshall and give some key phrases here. Um, Remember the principle here is simplify. So along with the navigational side of things, Be super redundant in your instructions. Let me give you an example of how instructions can sound when you're uh, giving them to people. As you read verses 1 through 4, use the marking feature to highlight attributes of Christ. Once you're done highlighting the attributes in verses 1 through 4, I'll ask a few of you to share. Okay, find those attributes in verses 1 through (laughs) 4. If you can say it three or four times, you've got a shot of someone hearing you. Uh... The second one that I would recommend is clarify your purpose. We've talked about this a little bit. I'm going to ask you to come up with a tag for that. Remember, tags help you create your own customized index. And you're thinking, I already told them that. They don't remember. Um, So every time you can remind them what the purpose is behind it, that's great. And then uh, simplifying navigation. If you want to write that definition in your margins, just tap the icon that looks like a piece of paper with the corner folded up. Or if I'm telling them to tag, I'll always say, click on the little icon that looks like the Best Buy logo um, (laughs) to help get them there because they're struggling. You want them to use as little little of their computational power and their brain on gospel library as possible and as much as possible on understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ.
0: So uh, maybe another approach, because one thing I've shifted to doing after talking with Richard is now I'm using the search function a lot more to get to certain scriptures, right? So maybe instead of saying, all right, let's go to Moses one, say, why don't you hit the search bar and type in Moses one, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. So that's anything we can do to speed up the navigation process, shifts that focus away from technology and towards the savior. Technology is great. Technology doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. We want to focus on Jesus okay really helpful let's talk direction here um and i think this is really important too uh have you ever been in a class where a teacher says read these verses and they'll say go read verses like 7 through 13 and that that's all you get and then Uh you go through and you read for five minutes and then when they come back they ask you a wildly specific question (laughs) (laughs) about those verses yeah, okay, I've see? been that teacher, Brandon.
0: Okay, <laughs> We've all been that teacher
1: before. Um, and and if you've got a, a stellar group of students, it might you might be able to pull it off. But otherwise, pro tip, you've always got to be giving them some kind of direction when you send them to do something, right? Um, and so if you can ask them the question beforehand, hey, as you're reading through here, look for the attributes of Christ.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, or as you're reading through here, what did the apostles do in this verse that helped them to... Then they've got a chance. They understand what they're going to do. Um, Boy K. Packer, this has been almost 30 years ago that he said this, but our youth need to know how to mark the scriptures, and they need to have some kind of filing system. In addition to that, if you give each one of them a framework upon which the truths they discover at random can be organized into a personal testimony, you will have served them well. We're wanting to direct them. This is way before Gospel Library. So uh, it's because one of our reasons that we're doing this is to help them have that long-term recall, right? So this is Sister Cardin. Uh, We're going to say she's teaching a 15- and 16-year-old Sunday school class. Here's some phrases she might use. As you read DNC 8, 2, and 3, look for what doctrines it teaches, then create a tag so you can find it later. Did you see how she's specifically giving them something to do? Uh, in their gospel library app. It's going to take a long time before that's natural for them. They need to give, they want to focus on the scriptures. So unless you give them something to do with it in the gospel library, it won't come naturally for a while. The next five verses contain several titles for Christ. You can emphasize the list by highlighting each title. They might find the titles otherwise, but unless you tell them, they probably won't highlight them immediately. So you're giving them some experience here. This verse teaches about the importance of faith. Consider sharing it on social media with the story of when faith has helped you in a difficult time. I love this because it's outside a gospel library.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: And we can really help spread the gospel this way. And and a lot of times they'll do it. Not everybody, but a lot of them will. In this paragraph, Elder Holland speaks about Alma 3221. You might create a link to that verse to ensure that you remember it uh, next time you're reading there. So you've got to give some prompts to help them with this long-time filing system approach to things. Because that's half of the annotation process is, I want to be able to find it again later. But, and I think this might be more important, there's a whole second half to this outside of just finding it later. Um, Nichols said, uh, this is a, a researcher that I followed, said, there's nothing inherently disadvantageous in on-screen reading, except that readers tend to approach it differently. So how are we approaching digital reading different? Well. You talked about our brains being rewired a little at the beginning. Let's hit that a little bit. This is even from the church stuff. So, on this slide, I took some stuff the church put out. Um, look at how brief this is. This is a Facebook post from the church news. When I saw this on my Facebook uh, feed, I didn't even stop while I was going through and I read it. I just kept on scrolling, right? Uh, this one is, oh, this is from last year's Easter campaign. Um, and, uh, same thing. I never even opened that text message until I took that screenshot because it just pop up in my little, uh, notifications bar and I would see everything I needed to see. Hmm. Um, look at this tweet from president Nelson. This was last year. Let us embrace the future with faith. It's just bang, bang, bang. So what's happened is our brains have become programmed and this is the theory behind why it's impairing us or a lot of people's theory is we've programmed our brains that when we read digitally, it should be fast and it shouldn't take much effort to comprehend. So it should be, if I'm reading on my phone, it should be a text message that fast or a tweet or a Facebook post size, something really fast and to the point. Um, and as a result, our, our minds naturally exert less effort when we go into read digitally. So we have to come up with a hack to make it so that we'll put in more effort. And we call those things desirable difficulties. Um, let me give you an example here. Yeah. Uh, tagging. And, and tagging is not just a digital thing. You can do that in print as well. Uh, In one study, they had 76 undergrads complete a reading assignment, um, and when they had no intervention, we didn't ask them to do anything, the digital readers scored significantly lower than the print readers because they weren't using as much cognitive power, right? Your brain's just programmed that way. At least that's the theory. So they tried something different. They said, uh, we're going to ask the digital readers uh, to write down four words at the conclusion of their reading. Uh, that summarized what they read. And as soon as they did that, it's like flipping a switch in their mind that all of a sudden, oh, I'm going to pay attention more now. This isn't a text or a tweet. I'm actually focusing here. And all the comprehension differences disappeared. So again, we call them desirable difficulties. And you've experienced this, I can guarantee it. We, we All of us that have studied the scriptures have had this before. Have you ever been reading your scriptures and you got to the end of a chapter and you realized you forgot to pay attention.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> <You're yeah>. like, <laughs> you got a of, of a lot of things in life, Brandon. And right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I wasn't focusing there. And I just read the whole thing and, and sometimes we're like, well, whatever I got done for today, check off my scripture reading. <laughs> yeah. But more, but more often than not, we're like, dang it. I, I really should have focused more. Um, annotation, these advanced features that gospel library has, are there to help us have a deeper experience while we're doing it, not just so that we can come back and find them later. So here's an example. Uh, Let's, Brother Jensen here, uh, we're going to have him leading his family in a Come Follow Me study. As we read these verses, create a link between the quote we just read from Elder Ballard and the verse that best helps explain or clarify. So you can see he's focusing on how to increase comprehension right now. I want you to use these features so that you understand right now you might never read that quote from Elder Ballard again. It doesn't matter. I want you to make the connection between the verses. Um, To make sure you're really understanding what is being taught, I want you to tag at least one doctrine as you read the next five verses. I do this to my students all the time. In fact, I had a group of freshmen a couple years ago that were really struggling to get their reading done and so I changed that expectation form. I said, for you to get credit for your reading, you have to come back and show me two things that you tagged last night. And my students loved it. They loved it. And uh, they said, thank goodness that I'm finally understanding the scriptures like I've never understood before because I'm actually trying to understand while I go.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't have to be Cookies, right? Like if you if you read, I'll 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 bring cookies or candy to class next time, right?
1: (laughs) No, they love it when they're having meaningful experiences. They want to connect with the savior. Last one, sometimes writing our thoughts helps us see things differently. Let's all take a minute to write down something we've learned in a note next to verse 22. And we've we talked about this concept of of writing as a way of thinking. That's one of those features that we can use to help enhance us there. Hmm. All right, I got one more. Um, and uh, I labeled it assist because I didn't want to call it discipline. This is going to focus more on probably the youth because I I think that it's the teachers of youth that are most frustrated with phones, Um, and I'll be quick with it. Tyndale and Bolander did a study with college students. Which instructor characteristics make it easiest to text during class? (laughs) Very helpful students to give us this. Number one, no policy or doesn't seem to mind was the number one thing that they said. Hmm. Um, and you you talked about I'm so glad you brought up cell phone prisons or baskets or whatever this is just a suggestion and I think it'll be I'll back it up with a scripture here in a second but uh, I tell my students every year at the beginning of class uh, they all come in and I say okay smartphones in, in seminary are smartphones in seminary a good thing or a bad thing and the younger students especially they're a bad thing <laughs> and I'm <be> like, wrong. <laughs> that is wrong. Smartphones in seminary aren't a good thing or a bad thing. It's about how you use them. My expectation for you is that you will use the format that helps you get closest to Christ. And if that's digital, I expect you to use digital. And if that's paper, I expect you to use paper. And by doing that, it takes a lot of the pressure off of a teacher and it mm-hmm. sets a clear policy. Um, and I'll show you how you use that later on here, but number two, they turn their back to right on the board. Number three, they stay in front of the class the whole time. If you mingle with your students, in fact, uh, in a church setting, especially if you're sitting down in the front of the class, it's going to be way easier for your students to, to feel comfortable being off task. Um, number one thing you can do, I think if a student is doing something on their phone more than calling them out, just move closer to them. Hmm. and and they'll feel really uncomfortable really fast, and a lot of times they'll say, hey, sorry, and they'll put it away. And you don't have to damage your relationship. The last one was the instructor doesn't require participation. Um, I had some students in my class one time. I asked them, why do you, what do you use to read from at home? And they said, we like our paper at home. And I said, why? And they said, uh, well, because it's less distracting. A lot of them said this. And I said, so why are you using digital in class? They said, because it's not as distracting. I said, so you're less distracted here. And they said, yeah. And I said, why? They said, well, we know that if we aren't following along during your lesson and you call on us, we're going to look stupid. <laughs> um, and, but that only happens if there's an expectation of student participation. But don't ever call on a kid to make them look stupid. But Right. That'll become part of as I'm expected to be engaged in this conversation. So if those are the things that make it easy to be off task, and we're talking policy-wise, this is section 121. It's our, our guide on how to be leaders, right? Yeah. Um, no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned. By kindness and pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile, reproving betimes with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love towards him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be his enemy. That's the standard. This is what usually happens. (laughs) Or bring back Sister Jorgensen, our seminary teacher here. We use lines like this. John, I've told you the rules, and I expect you to obey them. That doesn't line up very well with what we just learned in section 121. Love unfeigned, um trying to keep power by the fact that you're the teacher. How many times do I have to tell you to get off your phone? This is all about you as the teacher. You can't use your phone like this, like that in this classroom. These aren't lining up with what we have doctrinally. Um so here's a better approach. Section 42 verse 88. If thy brother or sister offend thee, Thou shalt take him or her, uh, between him or her and thee alone. And if he or she confess, thou shalt be reconciled. So at least in a seminary setting, I would think with youth in Sunday school as well, here's what it might sound like. Hey, remember our standards here. Are you getting closer to Christ? John, I've noticed you've been struggling on your phone lately. Do you think it's still the best format to help you get closer to Christ in class? And I have this conversation probably five, six times a semester pulling kids out. I've been blown away at how honest they'll be with me. Um, And they'll say, no, you're right. I've got a bit of a problem. What are we going to do? Well, I just want you to have a good experience. What are we going to do? Well, you know what? Give me two more weeks. I want to see if I can do better. Great. Let's go for it. Or sometimes they'll say, yeah, I've tried. It's not going to get better. I'm just going to bring paper next time. But it's not me forcing them to do it. It's a whole different game. Um, Hey, I've noticed you've been a little preoccupied with your phone lately. Is everything okay? You'd be surprised how many times a student has a valid reason to be distracted on their phone. Hmm. Um, Whether it's, hey, I'm texting, I've got, you know, today's my one day when I can talk with my brother who's on a mission and and he's able to send me text messages today. Uh, Like that, or you know what, things have been really rough at home lately. And sometimes it's hard for me to listen to lessons on the family. Um, Sometimes they've got a reason. And if we don't ask, you can really blow things. I had an experience last semester with a girl who came in and (laughs) was on her phone in the back the whole time, uh, texting away or social media or whatever. And (laughs) I'll be honest, I was really bugged. (laughs) And I over and over again wanted to go back there and be like, come on, you know better than this. And I didn't. Thank goodness. Class ends, she gets up and walks out. I wasn't thinking anything of it. About four minutes later, she comes walking back through the class, the door in the back of the classroom. And she says, okay, look, I need to say something. (laughs) 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 She said, I know that I'm off task on my phone a lot in this class. And I know that it looks like I'm not learning anything. But I just need you to understand that I am learning, and I'm learning more than I have ever learned before. And I appreciate you as a teacher, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. And she's like, all right, now I've said what I need to say. And I'll try and do better on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they've got reasons, and they're just trying to overcome it. When if you'll just be understanding with them and loving, you'll do so much better. Yeah. Uh, one last line. It feels like your phone's been a bit distracting lately. Do you think you might benefit from using paper instead? All of these are placing it back on them and letting them make a decision. We've got to trust the youth a little bit. I know that they have issues. Our job is to help them make good decisions, not to force them to make the decisions that make our life easier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, those are the, what were there, five, right? That's Uh, the five things. Train, model, simplify, direct, and assist. So I think that's uh, really helpful. Um, any other slides I don't want to wrap up before, uh, too quickly, but, uh, any other, any other, uh, points that you want to hit before we wrap up?
1: No, I appreciate you giving me the time. I know I, I get, like I said I get going, I get really excited about this stuff, (laughs) but, uh, thank you for giving me a chance to share some things and hopefully there's been some benefits in there. You got any questions on anything and yeah.
0: Yeah, this has been really helpful in, in just um, you know, structuring it in a way that's really approachable because it can feel like you don't want to be the uh the overbearing like gospel library, like digital's the way to go, digital right. or die, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but to see that this, especially this this app that the church has and is working on, it's it's continuing to evolve. Like you said, there's some things that they're constantly working on, right? To to see how we can improve that experience and, and use it. Um, I I'll share just a few things like I've noticed, you know, just my, uh, own personal life. I mean, everybody who has a smartphone has to have some level of boundaries with the smartphone, regardless of what Mm -hmm. you're doing. Cause I can find myself numbing out on scrolling through Instagram and, you know, an hour passes. I'm thinking what, where are my children? What's going on? (laughs) Um, and so I found that you know, just the way I structure things, I put the gospel library app really prominent and I've, I've done things like I'll go through and, uh, like one thing I've started, doing, I created a tag called, uh, I forget what it's called exactly, but like the, like the locations of Christ. And I just go through like each gospel and, and I do it f- a, a tag for like, you know, the locations of Christ for the book of Matthew. And I'll just find everywhere it references that Christ then went to, or he left here or whatever. And then I just tag it. Right. And it's not like this deep, like doctrinal study, but it's like this kind of fun exercise. And then I'm like looking at the tag page of like, I can see where Jesus went, like in, in order here. And um, there's just like little things that if you're drawn to your phone and you want to like sort of, tap around and and you're it's you're sort of bored anyways like there's just these little things that you can do with that gospel library to engage yourself in the gospel and and it's sort of fun to see what you can do with tags and notes and um and all sorts of things like that you know
1: there there's a real rush when uh, as a teacher i hope everybody gets to experience this at some point a real <laughs> rush as a teacher when you when a student raises their hand and says hey i got a question it's a little off topic and they say, what about, I'll give an example. Just the other day a student said, so can we repent in the spirit world? And uh, to be able to say, hold on, I've got something for you. And to open up tags and say, I've got a, a repentance slash spirit world tag to tap on it. And they'll be like, whoa, that's so cool. It is a real rush as a teacher. Um, to have an answer form that's backed up by an apostle
0: yeah and and again that you that's just another example of how you've sort of created the the path to you know rewired your brain so that you could find that. You didn't have to say page four hundred on the left column <laughs> midway down right so from the um,
1: from the April twenty seventeen Liahona, right like that's yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, Brandon, this has been great. Like I said, I have one more question for you, but if anybody else wants to jump into just really learning more, are there any other specific resources that you'd recommend? Obviously there's Richard Bernard, his book and things yep. that he's, he's put out, but any others that, uh, you could bring to our attention?
1: Oh, you mean for learning gospel library?
0: Yeah. Or digital learning in yeah. general or yeah.
1: You know, And so hear me out. There's an extension on this. Usually there's not an extension when someone says no, but there is on this. The the reason I'm saying no is I think the best way to learn gospel library is not necessarily, and maybe this contradicts a little bit from my modeling approach earlier, but is not just to watch someone else do it or try to learn what someone else's system is. It's to start pushing buttons. Just start pushing things. What does this do? You're not going to screw things up. Remember in the paper days when you'd make a mark and you'd be like, oh no, I went too far. And you'd try to erase. It's a super thin paper and it r- rips your paper and stuff. Yeah, You screw it up in Gospel Library, just delete it. And it can go away. So just start experimenting with stuff. It's kind of the Apple approach. I remember getting that first iPad I talked about at the beginning and pulling it out of the box and being like, where's the instruction manual? And there isn't one. And there's a reason for that they want you to just start tapping buttons and figure things out. Yeah. And uh, I, I do think you can get some help and ask some people along the way, but I think the best thing that you could do to figure it out is to just start pushing buttons and figuring things out for yourself.
0: Yeah, really helpful. Well, last question I have for you, Brandon, is just reflecting on your time as a teacher, but more specifically with the, the gospel library and digital teaching. How, has, how have these processes that you've discussed today just helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ?
1: When I first started teaching, there was a guy named Dave Hershey, brilliant teacher in my first assignment in Hurricane. And I walked in and, and I had the ability to talk to people and communicate and stuff and object lessons. I was young. I was 23 and I could relate to the kids. And But he had every reference to every talk ever given in this dispensation on the tip of his tongue, ready to go. The guy was just brilliant. And he'd carry around these books that were 500 pages thick that were spiral bound. And he would, uh, and he had all this commentary, these links. I call them links. <laughs> he had these cross references for every page of scripture in the entire Standard Works. And it was written in tiny, I used to make fun of him because it's written in like size seven font. And he sat me down and he said, This is what I do. Don't do what I do, figure out your system. But make sure that you find a way that you can effectively get the words of Christ to your students. And I was able to stumble onto Gospel Library and uh, the church's resources on the webpage. The biggest thing that it's done for me is, uh, I I go in to teach, and it's no longer Brother Comstock teaching. Uh, It's the scriptures teaching. And the scriptures are literally at the center of my class. And it's the prophets that are answering their questions now instead of me giving my opinion on stuff and my students can walk out now confident that that's the answer and not just something that some guy in a white shirt said at the front of class the power in my teaching has been magnified so much more than i ever thought it would be by having a filing system and a a marking system in the gospel library
0: And remember to go to LeadingSaints.org slash teach or click the link in the show notes to access the video of this interview and many others in the Teaching Saints library. And now that you've listened to this episode, go check out our top 10 most popular episodes by searching T10 in the search bar. And be sure to subscribe to our weekly email leadership message by going to LeadingSaints.org slash subscribe or text the word LEAD to 474747.